Hello everyone, I'm your host Luke, and this is my co-host. Garrett, how's it going guys? And today we're doing a kind of off the beaten path, but um, still cool no matter what. Um, we're doing a podcast on the Portuguese Man of War, which you've probably either seen or heard of. And we're also talking about the greater class of organisms that it's... Um, Related to, known as the um, siphonof- siphonophores. And um, <laughs> the funny thing about these is, unless I'm mistaken, everything but the Portuguese man of war is, you know, like in the dark depths of the ocean. So <laughs> we know a heck of a lot about the. Portuguese men of man of war, and they're actually quite a nuisance. And yeah, they sting people too. Yeah, they're. I, I mean, when I first looked at them, I thought they were like jellyfish, but yeah, you know they're they're part of the phylum Nidaria, but you know, under the microscope and you know looking at their genetics and whatnot, they're actually very different um they're actually like a what's known as a colonial organism where like all of their parts are like clones of one another but they all function as separate parts and those are known as uh zooids and those are multicellular units that develop from a single uh I guess fertilized egg and combined to create functional colonies able to reproduce, digest, float, maintain body positioning and use jet propulsion to move. Um and what's also weird about these is uh you know they kind of clone themselves clone themselves when they're you know, like expanding, and they're actually one of the longest or- organisms we've discovered with one of the siphonophores being over 100 feet long, so. Yep, and uh, another thing that's interesting is the men of war comprises of four separate polyps, which are like the, the organisms. Yeah, the, um, the zooids. Yep, it gets its name from the uppermost polyp, a gas-filled bladder, um, which sits above the water and somewhat resembles an old warship at full sail. Men of Wars are also known as uh, blue bottles for the purple-blue color of their pneumatophores. Uh, um, I don't know how N- to Nematophores. Nematophores, there you go. The tentacles are um, the Man of Wars' second organism. These long, thin tendrils can extend 165 feet in length behind below the surface, although 30 feet is more the average. They're covered in venomous-filled uh, nemphocysts. N- n- paraly- sorry, n- nematocysts. Nematocysts. Used to paralyze, uh, paralyze and kill fish and other small creatures. For humans, a man of war sting is excruciatingly painful, but rarely dead- deadly. Um, but beware, even deadly, uh, dead man of war's wash up on shore can still deliver a sting. Muscles in the tentacles can draw prey up to the polyp containing the gastroids, a digestive organism. A fourth polyp contains a reproductive organism. 
So the first one is like the the bladder. The second one is the uh, tentacles. The third one is the uh, gastroids, uh, which is the digestive organism. And the fourth is the reproductive organisms. And so each one has like a specific specialized function. And then the man of wars are found sometimes in groups of a thousand or more floating in warm waters throughout the world's oceans. They have no independent means of propulsion and either drift on the currents or catch the wind with their uh, pneumatophores uh, to avoid threats on the surface. They can deflate their airbags and briefly submerge, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I didn't know that part. Um, the So as I was reading up for this episode, Jared, it, it actually seems that they are increasing in... <laughs> in uh like uh what in numbers because of either climate change once again or um they have more prey animals it, it wasn't exactly sure they weren't exactly saying why they were <laughs> increasing but you know to me um you, you know this is just like i i i I think jellyfish are increasing in numbers too because of, you know, climate change. Yeah, I think because the oceans are warming, it allows them um, basically more of a region to live in, and uh, which provides like more food and things like that. Um, so it's probably because of the warming oceans and these type of creatures thrive in that type of environment. Um, and uh, so a lot of times... Um, like a popular beach was shut down in uh, Egertown, Massachusetts earlier this, earlier this year by Portuguese man of war jellyfish. Um, were, were they was, washing up on the beach or? Yeah, some were wash, washing up on the beach, but they're afraid of people getting stung in the water too. Well, um, the South Beach Catama closed down until further notice. Nearby swimming areas did the same. Soon enough, uh, strange animals flooded the shores. Once authorities said the waters were unsafe, strange animals made their way to the beaches. Lifeguards and beach attendants began removing cyphophores from the sand. They had to keep them away from people walking close by. It was a rare occurrence. A hall of sea creatures known as the Floating Terrors had arrived in mass numbers, which is really interesting. And the authorities actually set up like a purple flag at several beaches around the island. Um, the purple flag signaled that there were jellyfish nearby, warning signs of dangerous animals were also used to alert uh, visitors to stay out of the water. This is because the animals pose a threat to humans and animals alike. Cyclopores, known as a floating terror and a Portuguese man of war sting, um, and how deadly it is, uh, they are part of the Hydrozona family. They have long curly tentacles that can reach up to 30 feet in length. Um, these poisonous tentacles catch its victims much like an anaconda constricts its prey. The tentacles can deliver a painful sting, which is why they must not have contact with humans. And authorities recorded a uh, total of 160 collected mani uh, Portuguese man of war facts on, uh, or man of war on two beaches alone. Um, these uh, pickups took place at South Beach, Catama, and the island of Long Point Beach, which is nearby. The uh, Aquan town administrator uh, made a statement to warn visitors. Um, hundreds of thousands of Portuguese man of war swarmed the waters on Gayhead. It confirmed the unusual sighting of the high number of Portuguese man of war found so close to the shore. 
Though Portuguese Metal War do live near that area, there have only been a few sightings in the past. The surprise came from the amount of Portuguese Metal War sighted at one time. There hadn't been so many Metal Wars in that area since 2013. Uh, the official protocol is to close down the area for several days where any Portuguese Metal War have been seen. This is because their poisonous tentacles can deliver a painful sting since the animals travel in swarms, much like a school of fish. There is more danger to swimmers. Authorities believe that Portuguese man of war might show up in the days ahead. This is why beaches shut down for an extended period of time in Eggertown. It saves many swimmers from the inking, painful sting of the Portuguese man of war. And they show like a picture of it. It looks like a lightning strike, like a bunch of like reddish like burns on their body from the chemicals. It's crazy. When And those were from people that got stung? Yeah, they have like a photo of it on a guy's forearm. And it's like red. It looks like a like someone got struck by lightning. You know how it leaves those lightning scars, and they like like zigzagging lines almost. That's kind of what it looks like on this guy's arm, except like beet red, almost purple, just from like the chemical burns from the animals. Yeah, I, I looked yeah. that up. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, some of them are pretty pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, uh, the way it scars up and whatnot. But you're, yeah, it, you're right. To me, it looks like, you know, branching veins or like a root system or a lightning strike. Here's here's a guy, or sorry, a woman um, holding up her foot. And, you know, it's like just parallel lines going from like halfway down or what would that be? Your uh, chin to her foot. That sounds painful. It's like she swam into it, like standing up almost. Yeah, no. Like floated, must have like floated into her, like um, like parallel with the, her body orientation for the tendrils to like match up like that. I mean, there's just so many pictures of them, you know, washing up on beaches and whatnot. Like, yeah, they said they collected 160 in one day from two beaches, just from them washing up on shore. Oh, here, here's a picture from SF Gate, dude. They have, like, God, there's got to be a thousand. And yeah, they, they travel in, like, colonies, like, uh, like, uh, like a school of fish, which is crazy. They, they, they can also be different colors, which is, um, like... I'm seeing pink, uh, you know, like pinkish or purplish, uh, a light blue, a dark blue. Um, I don't really see any, you know, reds or anything. Yeah, it, it seems like most of them are mainly like purplish blue almost, and they have like a little bit of like pink tint to them as well. Yeah, their coloring is, to me, really cool. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, they're, they're called the floating terror. Uh, their closest, like you mentioned, their closest relative is a jellyfish, although they belong to a completely different category. Um, cyphivores are clones, like you mentioned. A uh, single cyphivore, or I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Siphonophore. Siphonophore is compromised of colonies of zoods. 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 They all have their own functions, but work together as one. Siphonophores use wind and ocean currents to move. 
Um, the sting from a Portuguese man of war is not fatal, like mentioned before. They might not kill you, but it will cause a severe injury. Getting stung by a Portuguese is very painful. Um, it's best to stay far away from them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, to me, surely you've heard of, like, the box jellyfish, right? Yeah, those are extremely painful. Like, too. I gotta be honest, I, I just don't want to swim out in the ocean, to be completely honest. <laughs> Let's go surfing, Luke. Yeah, I'm good. I'm. <laughs> I I I think I've told you about this, but I um I've had some. Do you, have you ever been to Pirates Cove? Uh, what do you mean, Pirates Cove? Or like Water World? Yeah. Uh, so you know how they have like the weight weight wave pool. Yeah, the wave pool, yeah. I, I swear on a stack of Bibles, I, like, timed it wrong. You know, how you're yeah. supposed to jump. And yeah. um, I didn't, like, you know, I couldn't recover. Because, you know, it's just wave after wave after wave after wave. Yeah. And on the sides of the uh, wave pool, they have, like, these, you know, emergency stairs. I think for the lifeguards and I like walked up one of those because, and like, you know, I was like freaking out and like the, the lifeguard was like yelling at me like, Oh, you can't come up here. I'm like, what's your problem? You didn't see me, you know, like, yeah. I'm, I mean, like, I, I, I still can't believe that that's how they reacted. Not like, Oh, are you okay, sir? You know, they're like, oh, get off the stairs, you jerk. I'm like, well, I am never doing that again, you know? like. Well, well, the difference between those wave pools and actual ocean is that each wave is at a different height. So you might get a big wave, and then you'll get a small wave. And they, um, if I remember correctly, they come in, like, cycles of seven. So that wouldn't actually happen in the ocean um, because the waves are different heights. Whereas if you're in a wave pool, they're all the same height. And uh, they all come in a wave pool. They come like one after another after another. Whereas in the ocean, they kind of have like a slower pace. They're not as like coming in as quickly as like in a wave pool. Yeah, I I, I just wanted to I just wanted to share my um, uh, complaints with the lovely people that listen to our podcast because that's fair. That's fair. They I guess they can laugh at me. I I, I don't care. It's a it's a to me a traumatic <laughs> story but whatever i got i got past it i'm obviously still here sorry <laughs> um one of the one of the things that, that happened to me in a wave pool was uh i got ran over by one of those tubes someone was on and it like washed over me and i was like trapped under them for a few seconds i was like freaking out <laughs> yeah my there's just so many people in those wave pools it's ridiculous what so it wasn't the lazy river it's a wave pool Right. Like, uh, like a water world or something like that. My, uh, like like we're constantly going. my, my mom, um, she, she was in a canoe out like in a lake without like a life jacket on. Yeah. And she was with two other people and the canoe flipped. And, uh, they, they were under the water, um, for like, I think she said like a over a minute. Jeez. Yeah, but like that's rough. Yeah, that's another. 
Yeah, like I, I, I can't even imagine that, you know. So the ocean is a no-go for you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think you get what I mean. Like, yeah. like if I'm on a freaking boat, like a pontoon boat, I'd be perfectly fine, you know. That's fair. Yeah, true. Yeah. Especially because those are really stable. Yeah, or, you know, other boats, whatever. Um, so where, where was that Man of War... Um, article you were reading from Jared that they got cautioned about um oceanblueproject.org yeah but where was it in America yeah um it was on the two beaches Katama and uh, Island at Long Point Beach um is that in Florida I believe so I'm trying to reread back to where it was uh Massachusetts oh okay um, so yeah, I, it was in uh, Florida and Massachusetts, so the two different beaches. I I wanted to uh, read our uh, read about another one, uh, and this is all the way in Ireland. Uh, caution advice to Irish sea swimmers: as men or they call it a jellyfish. It's not a jellyfish. It's spotted in Waterford. Um. It became a mainstream topic of conversation amongst the people of Ireland when a large number of them washed up along the west and southwest coast following Storm Lorenzo in 2019. I think I remember hearing about that one. Um, so that was in a beach in Ardmore, Waterford. Um, this lady goes... She, she shared an Instagram post. She said, so the Portuguese man of war's Latin name is Fasalia Fasalis, which I probably pronounced that wrong. Uh, it's a species you don't want to mess with. Uh, the man of war is a tropical water species that lives on the surface of the oceans. Their gas-filled bladder remains at the surface and the remainder of the body is submerged. They move passively by winds, tides, and currents, and strong winds have been known to drive them onto bays or beaches. Because they can sting while bleached, finding one of them washed up on the beach will normally lead to a beach closure. Um, and then they des describe this sting. It can be an extremely painful sting, uh, and it is advised to steer clear of the water if they are present. Uh... They can still sting on the beach. The stings can cause severe pain to humans that leave whip-like red welts on your body. The pain can last up to three days after the initial sting. And some people, it has unfortunately caused death. But normally the pain... I wonder if the death comes from allergic reactions. Sorry to cut you off there, Luke. But I wonder if people die from it because of either um, allergic reactions or because the sting is so painful they can't swim to shore and they drowned. I wonder what causes the death of people that are stung. Because it seems like the vast majority of the time when people get stung, it's just painful for three days. But I wonder why other people die and some don't. Well, I bet part of it is like shock. I mean, I'm sure it's inc yeah. incredibly painful. Yeah, and so they die from, the like, the sting causes their body to go into shock, and then they can't swim out and, of the water. And, and, okay, let's, you know, play out a scenario for a second. You're out swimming on the ocean, 
and you know you suddenly have this intense stinging pain in like your arm or something what's gonna what what are you gonna do you're gonna jerk it towards yourself and you know my more of the tentacles might get you know you might get stung by more of the tentacles right yeah you might pull them closer you might get entangled in them right because like if they're like 30 feet long that's really easy to get tangled in like those nematocysts jared I, I don't know if you've ever seen like a video of them firing. Maybe you did in biology or something. But th what they are is they're like these little barbs, you know, cell by cell by cell, and they shoot into you. Yeah. And I think they stick. Ooh. You know, and like they're the the one difference between the uh, siphonophores and jellyfish is. Their tentacles, like, wrap around the prey. They said, like, an anaconda, like, the Portuguese man of war, like, wraps around it. Yeah, and that's just, like, by instinct. So, like, you know, this thing is wrapping around your arm, and, like, you know, it's going to try to pull you in, right? So, yep. <laughs> I, uh, so, anyways, they say the pain will subside after around three hours, um, However, sometimes the venom can travel to the lymph nodes, which can cause symptoms that trigger an allergic reaction. Um, I no, no matter what, I, to me, it's like playing with fire. Just go to the hospital to you know make sure you're good, no matter what. Yep, true. Um, if you are stung by one, wash the area with salt water and add distilled vinegar afterwards. Then use a heat pack or hot water. 45 degrees Celsius on the stung area until pain subsides. Um, Another interesting fact is that they are rarely hunted by predators. Their only predators are sea turtles, sea slugs, and crabs. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, they're, wait, they're predators that prey on yeah. them? Yeah, that eat them. So, sea turtles, slugs, and crabs. Yeah, sea slugs are weird. But, I, <laughs> yeah. I, so, I I have watched a video um, where, like, this giant sea tortoise was, like, have you heard of the lion's mane jellyfish? Yeah. You know, like, one of the biggest ones that there is? Yeah. They're beautiful. The Whoever's listening to this should, like look them up because to me they are like you know one of the coolest creatures out there just a how big they are but b like how you know beautiful they are and whatnot but um like this thing just swims up to it and like just takes a giant chomp out of it you know yeah the sea turtles they'll do that yeah and it, it was kind of funny because it was like whapping at its at it the poor jellyfish with its you know its arms because <laughs> i'm not exactly sure if it can be um uh that it can be um what was i talking about i don't remember I, I, I think it can still sting the turtle. I'm I'm not sure. But I don't know. The the turtle's skin is super thick. Um and it's not gonna do anything to the shell, so and like well, that's their that's what the turtles eat. So I don't know if the turtles get stung very badly or maybe they have a resistance. 
Maybe, maybe it just depends where, because it it the in the description of the video it said something like the turtle has to be careful how it eats it. I I don't know. Yeah. So another real fun fact about the siphonophore's nickname of the Portuguese man of war it actually dates back to the 18th century. The animal's unique shape resembled an 18th century warship under sail. The shape makes it very easy to detect the difference between a siphonophore and a jellyfish. So, like, jellyfish are more, like, dome-shaped, where siphonophores look more like a ship, like, floating on the ocean. Um, the Portuguese man-o-war is not valuable in commercial trade. This means humans do not hunt the animal for profit. So that might be another reason why they're also increasing in, uh, in like, numbers out in the ocean is because humans aren't hunting them. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, do um, humans do anything with jellyfish? I mean, like... Yeah. Yeah, people do not eat Portuguese man of war like they do jellyfish. So people do eat jellyfish. I that I mean to me it'd be like biting into like I I don't even know like a <laughs> like wet noodle or you know like gelatin or something. Ugh. Like yeah. I've tried escar no, I I didn't try escargot. I tried um you know like mussels. Yeah. That is like to me, it was like mucus, and I was like, "Oh, this is the worst thing I've ever." Yeah, I, I my my dad loves you know like anything that is a bivalve, you know the two you know muscles and shit, and I do not like them. Yeah, so this is basically kind of going along with what you, what you were saying earlier. Um, as uh, as ocean food chains change, so do the number of marine life. Climate change and ongoing pollution affect much of our marine life, but this is not true for the Portuguese, Portuguese man-of-war, which is completely unaffected by both factors noted above. The Portuguese man-of-war live in the Atlantic, Pacific, and Indian Oceans. The animals seem to thrive in tropical areas, and it lives in abundant numbers and is not endangered. It is actually increasing in numbers in certain areas, according to Oceana. So that's really interesting. Where, where's the Sargasso Sea? Yeah. Sargasso Sea? I'm not exactly sure. I've never heard of that before. Um. Oh, it's uh. So you know the Gulf of Mexico? Yeah. And then like Florida separates it. So it's yeah. it's uh I guess you would say to the east, and it's part of the Atlantic Ocean, but um. Oh, so it's to the east of the Florida Panhandle. Right. Is it north or south? Florida just straight east straight east okay yeah um it it's actually one of four ocean currents and that's like why it's considered a sea I guess gotcha you know how it's like they circulate yeah 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 those ocean currents circulate all across the globe too so yeah what's it well, what's interesting about that is they uh, travel in warm currents, like you were mentioning, and in most of the world's oceans, in groups up to uh, up to a thousand individuals. So that's pretty insane. Yeah. Um. So, I I remember I had to do a paper on them, Jared, uh, like my sophomore junior year of high school, and um, they're they if they're you, you know the swim bladder, you know the thing filled with air on the top. Um, it's too hot. They can actually lean to the side. Yeah. 
um, you know, to like cool it off and whatnot. Yeah, cool off one side at a time and just alternate. Right. But uh, otherwise they just drift. Yeah, they said they could submerge a little bit too, which is interesting. Which so. I, I didn't know of. Yeah, like, I didn't know that either. <laughs> I can't imagine some jerk, you know, like just going along the ocean in a boat and like, you know, like you have a, like a bow and arrow and like you try to shoot arrows <laughs> so they sink. <laughs> That's terrible, but whatever. They, I'm sure they yeah, can't. Try to puncture the bladder. Yeah, I'm sure they can't feel pain, so whatever. Uh, yeah, because they're like individual, like the colonies. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, here's another interesting tidbit. Although painful, the manowar sting generally subsides after 30 minutes, leaving raised red patches on the skin. And some may experience fever and muscle pain, nausea, and vomiting might also occur. There's also there's only been a couple of instances when a sting results in death. There's usually a lot to be learned from, or there's still a lot to be learned uh, about the Portuguese manowar. Scientists are particularly interested in the way that they absorb the sun's UV rays, as well as their genetic diversity and their role in the ocean's food web. Ooh, that's interesting. Wait, so they absorb the sun's energy? Yeah, they absorb the uh, sun's UV rays. Do you want to look into that? Uh, sure. I, so I, while I, while you're doing that, I'm gonna talk about how they how they reproduce. Okay, sounds good. Um, let me look up that. I gotta adjust positions. All right. Uh, so so the the way that at least the man of war reproduces, like like we were saying earlier, guys. Um, each of their you gotta think they're like a colony, right? Um, and you know like. How the queen ant in a colony is, you know, isn't responsible for gathering food. It's just purely to make more workers for the colony, right? To lay eggs and whatnot. It's just the same thing. Like, the zooid that is purely responsible for reproduction is, um, like, that's its only task. So, this is how they reproduce. An individual is actually a colony of unisexual organisms. Every individual has spe specific gonozooids, um, you know, which are like gametes, right? Um, each gonozooid is comprised of gonophores, which are a little more than sacs containing either ovaries or um, the male reproductive uh, one. Uh, the phacelia are diocetious. Their larvae probably develop very rapidly in small floating forms. I guess they don't, haven't seen them. Fertilization of P. phasalis is assumed to occur in the open water because gametes from the gonozooids are shed into the water. This may happen as they themselves are broken off and released from the colony. The release of them may be a chemical response occurring when groups of individuals are present in one locality. Critical density is probably required for successful, uh, I guess you call it conception or fertilization, and it may take close, may take place close to the surface. Most reproduction takes place in the fall, producing the Great abundance of young seen during the winter and spring. 
It's not known what triggers the spawning cycle, but it probably begins in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, uh, and then we're going to get into some really specific... Um, this is how the gametes are made. Uh, the So, like, in, in humans, the gametes are made from... They're called germ line cells, and those are the ones that uh, they uh, divide into gametes, whether, you know, it's the female version or the male version. It, it's just the same here, um, and they're known as gonophores that have a central spadix of multinucleate endodermal cells separating the co- Elenteron from a layer of germline cells. Covering each germ cell is a layer of ectodermal tissue. And when they first bud, the germ layer is a cap of cells on top of the endodermal spadix. And as they mature, the germ cells develop into a layer covering the spadix. Um, the spermatogonia form a thick layer while Eugenia form a convoluted band, several cells wide, but only one cell layer thick. There's very little cytoplasmic material within these cells, except during rare instances where cell division is occurring. Eugenia begin development at approximately the same size as spermatogonia, but become considerably larger, you know, just like sperm and egg cells in humans. All eugenia are apparently formed at an early age of gonophore development prior to the occurrence of enlargement. Interestingly, there appears to be yolk lobules within the cytoplasm of most eugenia, which I didn't understand most of that, but if you're a scientist, go figure. <laughs> so, yeah, I did look up... Um the Portuguese man of war now in response to ultraviolet radiation. Uh, scientists have known for a long time that the man of war are good at absorbing UV radiation at wavelengths because uh, that caused sunburns in humans. And they're hoping to find what compound is responsible for this ability and to determine whether the animal can synthesize it itself. To do so, the scientists are analyzing the compounds that are in the UV absorbing tissue and look at the genes that may play a role in, in producing the sunscreen. Um, so that's pretty interesting, and it's uh, actually being done at Yale. Um, and so, yeah, they're actually designed a small robotic vehicle that actually tracks the man of war in the water for extended periods of time. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> so that's so that that's why they're looking into it is they're trying to like see like what chemical they use the man of war uses to protect itself from UV radiation because it's out in the sun all the time, constantly. Um, right. I mean, you you would think it would dry out. Yeah, exactly. But it, it somehow has these UV absorbing tissues, and so they're looking at the ge uh, genetics of this creature to figure out like what, how is it producing these type of tissues, and what type of chemical is it using, and they could maybe apply that to human kind of uh, like human um, uh, sunscreen and things along those lines. Right. Um. So, <laughs> we we haven't talked about how it, um, 
they eat, right? Okay, so the Portuguese man of war traps its food in its tentacles. It feeds mainly on fish fry and small adult fish. It also consumes shrimp, other crustaceans, and other small animals and plankton. Nearly 70 to 90% of the prey is fish. The tentacles, or another zooid known as dactyl ozooids, are their main mechanisms for catching its prey and are also used for defense. It sometimes traps and consumes larger fish, such as flying fish and mackerel, though fish that large generally manage to escape from the tentacles. The food of the men of war is digested in its bag-like stomach, you know, right under the the uh, bag or the the sail, which are located along the underside of the float. It digests the prey by secreting enzymes that break down proteins, carbs, and fat. Each man of war has multiple gastrozooids, complete with individual mouths. I'm sure. So it has multiple mouths. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if you look at its stomach or, you know, like where that area is, it just looks like a mass of, like, what, tentacles or something? Yeah. Um, after the food has been digested, any undigestible remains are pushed out through the mouths. The nourishment from the digested food is absorbed into the body and eventually circulates to the different polyps in the colony. I mean, yeah, it has to go to the different zooids, right? <laughs> to give them nutrients because one is digesting it and basically creating the energy and then it shares it with all of the other zooids which is pretty cool and then uh they actually did a study in 1989 um that examined the, the stomach contents of each man of war and they said each man of war eats approximately 120 larval fish per day just floating there and they don't actively hunt they just catch whatever comes in their path as they float yeah, I I think that's called a like a um I mean that that's a very, you know, passive kind of predation, right? Yep, yep, true. Um there's also a piece here about climate change and global warming. So it says global warming is uh, rising open te uh, ocean temperatures and reducing oxygen levels in the water. While detrimental to many uh, marine species, this combination has created an environment where both jellyfish and the Portuguese man-of-war thrive. Um, as oceans continue to warm, uh, man-of-war colonies will grow in population and spread. It is anticipated there will be more sightings in Canada and northern waters, previously uninhabited by Portuguese man-of-war. Well, yeah, they just float. I mean, it's wherever the tides take them. They probably just didn't, you know, show up because, you know, it was too cold and what, they they die or they freeze or I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, then it kind of goes into like talking about like predators, uh, which we mentioned like sea slugs, sea turtles, crabs, fish, and, uh, the violet sea snail, uh, the blue dragon, a type, uh, a type of inch long sea slug is an interesting predator. Uh, when consuming a Portuguese man war, the blue dragon utilizes the man war's stinging cells for its own protection by storing them in pockets on its body. Yeah, that, that, that's a common thing. Like there's. I forget what, but there's like this type of uh, snail or slug or something that like it, I, I mean that, th this is kind of related. It 
you know, eats parts of a plant and then it takes the um the chlor the, the chloroplasts, you know, the things that photosynthesize. Yeah. And it moves them to its back and it grows its own food, but it has to capture those chloroplasts from a plant that it eats. That is interesting. Yeah, so that's that's all over nature where like these organisms are able to freaking capture, you know, other species defense or attack mechanisms and, you know, use it for themselves. (laughs) Yeah, that is really cool. And then Um, the, the weird thing about that specific slug is that the gene it uses for um, utilizing the energy that those chloroplasts make, it gets from a virus, like a viral gene. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's like, you know, this crazy, you know, <laughs> like list of um, what circumstances that led to that. Uh, those yeah. flying those flying fish look cool, by the way. Yeah, those are really cool. I've seen videos of them like flying over boats and landing in boats. It's pretty crazy. You you've been to Costa Rica, right? Yeah. Did were there? Did you see any of these? Um, I don't think so. I don't remember seeing. Because weren't you on the beaches? I was on the beach, yeah, but um, I was on the eastern coast mostly. Um. I did surfing on the uh, western coast as well, um, but no, I didn't see any of those. I even did uh, snorkeling over there too, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember in fourth grade, I did a I did a cruise ship uh, on Carnival Cruise Lines. By the way, they suck. Um, just my opinion. Um, and, you know, I did, I think I swam with dolphins or something. And that, that was really cool because, you, you know, like, you, you literally, like, just hang on to them. And, like, they swim, you know, they swim while pulling you. I, I, I love that. That was great. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so another predator they have is sea turtles. Um, and one of the reasons sea turtles are uh, – and it's one of the reasons sea turtles are attracted to plastic bags in the water, which is all uh, really deadly. When they yeah, they, they probably mistake it for them. Yeah, they mistake plastic bags for a man-of-war, which is one of their favorite uh, uh, meals. And then the Pacific sand crab um, is a predator of the Portuguese man-of-war, and it drags it to shore and usually shares its meals with other crabs. The violet, I like the color violet, um, sea snail uh, also feeds on the Portuguese man-of-war by floating upside down to access the man-of-war on the surface of the water. Ooh, that's interesting. So the snail floats upside down and gets underneath the man of war and eats it that way. Um, if attacked uh, by a predator from above, the man of war's bladder can deflate and submerge under the water temporarily, a technique they also use to prevent from drying out. Oh, so that's how they draw, uh, prevent from being dried out from the sun as well. Mm. Yeah, but like I was saying, they can also... Um... Dip side to side. Yeah, dip it side to side. And uh, the last threat is like climate change and global warming. Um, even though it's spurring on the uh, spread of Portuguese man-of-war, the warmer waters and reduced oxygen levels could threaten its food sources, such as fish. 
So it's basically like if they get if there's too many man of war, they'll deplete all their food sources, and so that could be detrimental to them too. Yeah, I mean, it seems like one of the main consequences of uh, climate change in the oceans is, you know, like the the side the phytoplankton that you know where most of the world's oxygen supply comes from. By the way, you know, like when they're in the presence of the oils that leak out from plastics, they like start to, you know, like freak out and whatnot. So they're, they don't, you know, photosynthesize right. And like, they can't make the oxygen we need to breathe as well. But then also like, um, you know, like bleaching of like coral reefs and whatnot. Ruins the fish habitat and where they live. Yeah, I mean, like, all, all all this crap is connected. You know, like, that's, oh, yeah. that's the thing about nature is, like, you know, these ecosystems are so balanced and these species evolve for their specific ecosystem that when, you know, something changes, they they usually can't... Uh, adapt that well. They they just die. Yeah. So I, I also have some more fun facts about the man of war. Um, so the float or sail of each Portuguese man of war colony will slightly curve uh, to the left or right. As a result, the wind will drive colonies to travel in different directions, creating a wider spread. Uh, that's interesting. And so they're, like, not in the same, like, path. And so one, like, the ones up front aren't getting all the food. They, like, spread out. And so they create, like, a net almost. Um, thought to have been compared, uh, comparable shape to the Portuguese Man of War was named after a Portuguese ship, uh, warship with full puffy sails. Um, the Australian Blue Bottle is a similar species in the genus uh, Phyllis or Phila. Like its name suggested, the Blue Bottle is blue in appearance with a singular stinging tentacle rather than multiple. Um, and then here's another one, the man of war fish. So it's an actual small brown fish that is known to travel with the man of war colonies. This unique fish is largely unaffected by the sting, stinging tentacles it resides in. The fish nibbles, nibbles on the tentacles of the man of war, as well as the scraps left behind from its meals. That's kind of cool. <laughs> um, because of the painful sting, the man of war is also known as a floating terror. The best way to treat a, a, a man of war sting after removing the tentacles, which is often attached to the skin, is with vinegar, rinse, and heat compress, like you mentioned. This helps neutralize and rinse away the venom. And probably, like, uh, the, it probably the reason why the heat compress works so well is because it probably breaks down the proteins that make up the venom. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, in 2010, a woman is believed to have died after what is believed to be a man of war sting. So, that's interesting. And that's all the facts I got. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, we're at 47 minutes. I think we should just end it there, but, um, it's a, I (laughs) kind of sucks because I wanted to talk about the other siphonophores, but the, the problem is, is that these are all like deep, you know, deep sea organisms. So like, we, we, we don't know a lot about, (laughs) I, I would just like end off on like, I, I feel it would be worth, you know, looking up all these, like just typing into Google siphonophore, like 
They are such cool beings, you know? Like, they look crazy, you know? Like, they shouldn't exist or whatever, but, you know, there they are right there, you know? And there's 175 of them. Yeah, they're really cool looking. Um, so, I think we'll end it there. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, this is, I was wanted to talk about Siphon Force, but, you know, everybody knows about the Portuguese Man of War, and I assume most of the other species are very similar to <laughs> the Portuguese Man of War, so, yeah. Yep. And we could always make another video talking about uh, siphonophores in general and uh, different species uh, and the ones that we find interesting. And if we could find some more information on that, that would be pretty cool too. So maybe we could do a second video on them. Right. Or podcast, I should say. Right. <laughs> um, so thank you for listening. This has been your host, Luke, and my co-host. Jared, thank you, for, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys have a great day. Yeah. Have a good weekend or week. Peace.